Hello and welcome to Lake Time. This is Matt Kennedy. And this is Lyndon Fraze. And you've made it. You've arrived at episode two. Thank you for sticking with us. Yeah, wow. Yeah, if you've listened to the first episode and now this one, uh, thank you. You are now officially a religious listener. 100% batting average. And you're, the fans are what keep this show alive. So please keep listening. That's right. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. That's two. Yeah, we have to listen to it a few times. <laughs> Make sure we don't say anything dumb. <laughs> We definitely do say dumb things, though. But you know who doesn't say dumb things? Melissa Jean. Our guest for today. Yes. She's an artist, a local artist. Uh, well, she works from here, but her work is in galleries across Canada. And uh, she's inspired primarily, I would say, by Lake of the Woods. She tries to... Well, what it says on her website is that her art isn't necessarily realism. It's what, Lyndon? It's idealism. Idealism. She tries to capture the ideal part of the day, those magic hour moments in her... her she's inspired by landscapes all across Canada, from what I've seen, but I'd say her primary inspiration is Lake of the Woods, so that's why she's the perfect guest. Yeah, that's right. So she'll paint what, uh, what it feels like yeah. On a good day to observe the nature. Whereas if I was painting, it would be like the worst parts of everything. It'd be like, why does that landscape look so bad? Yeah. But it's that's not just how your personality. You see hers and it's like, oh yeah. That feels so good. That feels real good. Why do you think you are drawn to painting the worst parts of the day? Uh, it's more about talent deficiency than anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you say? What should we say this time to kick off this interview um, for Lake Time? Did you like set your clocks? To uh, I see. I see. Yeah, we have to find a way to get into it. Yeah. Uh, how about here we are on Lake Time? I don't like that. How about let's catch some waves? Yes. Yes. Let's catch some waves on Lake Time. Melissa, welcome to Lake Time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's our absolute pleasure, and thank you for coming in on such short notice. Anytime. Anytime? Oh, Anytime. wow. Anytime. That's a real <laughs> offer. Yeah, we can have you on multiple times then, I guess. Why are uh, you so flexible? Because I work from home, and I'm an artist. You're an artist. So I make my own hours. So does that mean you're late for stuff, too? Uh, you know, artists are, you know, kind of flaky. Right. Well, to be late, you'd have to have a schedule, which I don't have. So, no, I'm never late. Never I'm late. always on time. Okay, yeah. so here's a question for you. Yeah. If you have rarely anything scheduled, do you sometimes miss things because you go to bed and you think, I've obviously got nothing up tomorrow because I never have anything up. And then the one yeah. time you do, you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I missed that thing. Yeah, I kind of um, set my alarm on my phone, even if I have an appointment, I set it for, you know, if it's at three o'clock, I'll set my alarm to go off so that I don't miss it. Because I can lose track of time and totally miss things for sure. I'm usually right on time. And it drives my wife crazy because she believes that if you're on time, you're late. She likes to oh. be there like 10 minutes, 15 minutes early. But yeah. I'm, I'm someone that shows up like today, it was like 12, maybe 12.01. And we were to meet at 12. And I'll usually yeah. push it in the one to two minute range of lateness, but typically I like to arrive, bam, on the dot. Do you like yeah. that or this is how it works out? I think that's just the way I'm wired. And some people would call me an artist, so. You are an artist for sure. So I'm on time still, technically. Lyndon, you're also an artist, clearly. Are you on time? Clearly. Um, 
You know what? It's my New Year's resolution to always be 15 minutes ahead. Wow. So you're... Oh, which you were today. I was. Yeah, you were there before me. Yeah. And uh, part of what inspired that was, I think it was a basketball player or someone I heard in an interview say, you want to change your life? Be 45 minutes early for everything. Uh, Wow, 45 minutes. Then I thought like, okay, well, you would never be in a rush, right? You'd Mm -hmm. always... You'd never be driving and thinking like, oh, I better like text this person in like five minute updates, like almost there. Yeah. Just about mm-hmm. late, almost getting into a car accident ever when I'm texting. There, there would never be that stress. And I thought, I'm not going to do 45 minutes, but I could do yeah. 15. 45 is excessive. Also, if you arrive 45 minutes early, what do you do? Yeah. Isn't that what social media is for? Just Filling to, all the yeah, gaps in I your guess. life? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. If you've set the 45-minute early hard, though, it's still going to be stressful. Yeah. that's be like, oh, man, I'm not going to make the 45 I know, that's, minutes that early. is the problem with it. Now, enough about being late or early. No, I'm very entertained. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Welcome to the Lyndon and Matt show. <laughs> the and Lyndon and audience, Matt Melissa. Time show. This is our audience, yeah. Our one-person audience today is Melissa Jean, artist. Where are you from, Melissa? Um, I'm originally born in Manitoba, but I lived in a lot of places across Canada growing up. And I never lived in a place more than three years um, until I moved to Kenora. And I've been here 13 years now. So where am I from? I don't know. Canada? Yeah. In general? Do you have a favorite? A favorite what? Of all the places you've lived? (laughs) Um, I would say here because it's, it's, yeah, because it's small town (laughs) and it's it's definitely infused with nature, fun, um, the lake, boating, all the things that I love. So, yeah, I mean, it's got its problems, but I think in general, I think here is my favorite for sure. And there's so many beautiful places in Canada, but for, for raising kids and living, I love it here for sure. Well, where were you born? Well, I guess in a hospital in Winnipeg. <laughs> but you don't know which one? <laughs> I don't know. Really? Yeah. I. Wow. I, I think you might be one, a rare person who does not know the name of the hospital they were born in. Maybe. Got to check Do your you birth know? certificate. Yeah. I was you born know? in the Misericordia Hospital in Winnipeg. Oh, wow. And I was creepy. born in the Lake of the Woods Hospital. Oh, you're from Kenora. Yes. Okay. Wow, you've come a long way. I literally moved, like yep. two kilometers. <laughs> yeah. You should have brought your birth certificate with you. I will next, next time, time for sure. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, and then, <laughs> what brought you to Kenora? Uh, we were living in Alberta and and short like a short time in BC after that, and we decided to move a little closer to family because most of our families in Manitoba, um, but uh, Kenora had more of that small town feel, a job. My husband got a job here. And also, um, we just wanted to find a place to raise the kids. So um, they started junior kindergarten here. And now my son's graduating next year. From kindergarten? So, no. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes I think so. Yeah. But no, he's graduating from grade 12. And uh, it's it's gone by really quickly. It's just great here. So... We made a good choice. And you're just, you're close enough to Winnipeg that you can go to, you know, fly somewhere, go to concerts, and, you know, anything that you need is only two hours away. Yeah, Headingley's yeah. right there by Winnipeg, too, yeah, if you ever need to right. go there. Steinbeck, Steinbeck's right there. Steinbeck, yeah. yeah. Um, so were you living in Winnipeg when you were born? Or you were just born in Winnipeg oh, and you were no. living outside? Oh, no. I was uh, living in Niverville, Manitoba, okay. which is 20 minutes south of Winnipeg. So if Niverville. You were going to Never been there. Never, <laughs> Niverville. Never, <laughs> that's right. Never been to Niverville. 
So we should open these beers too mm-hmm. before we. We're drinking Papermaker today. Here's one for you, Melissa. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, religious listeners of this podcast will remember that Taras was talking about how this is their original beer. This is the first one that they made. I think it was this one and possibly Sultana also was yeah. their the uh, opening numbers, shall we say. Well, in their flagship beers are Papermaker, Sultana, and Firehouse. Three? There's three. Three flagships? Three. three. Can you have three? <laughs> sure. I thought the Navy would only have one flagship, <laughs> and then there's the other ones. Flagships. Flagship spears. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, it's a Czech-style Pilsner. What do you think? It's, a, it's hoppier than your, you know, your big beer brand Pilsners. Who we hate. Yeah, who we hate. And uh, and obviously the name's inspired by uh, the pulp and paper mill. That's ah, right. Yeah, that's right. Paper so you mail. drive by and Kuwait in there. Would that be considered Kuwait? No, still? that's no. Uh, that's a different mill. There was a pulp oh. and paper mill over by uh, Luby's store on Ninth Street. That whole open field that's fenced in with nothing in it. You probably don't know where it is, but that's where Luby's. Do you know where Luby's is? Luby's, I do. The, okay, but there's two Luby's. I know the one. <laughs> <laughs> I know the one that's by the hotel there that has the the karaoke, like Days by in. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, no, different Lubies. Oh, <laughs> I have so much to learn, Matt. Yeah, do you like? Uh, what do you think of like the Woods Brewing Company beer, Melissa? Oh, I've always got it on my in my fridge. Yeah, yeah, and I've been a fan since the beginning. Um, I'm not a huge beer fan for the winter, but in the summer, I always have Sultana, Tippy Canoe. Um, and just a variety of beers in the fridge. Those are your faves? Yeah, I think Tippy Canoe is probably my favorite and Sultana. Okay, so you came to Kenora partially because your husband got a job here mm-hmm. and you're flexible to move wherever considering yeah. you're an artist. Yeah, and what's interesting is when I moved here, I really delved into art. So before that, I was always painting and drawing and creating something and making something. But when I moved here, I I kind of had the space and the room and the subject matter to really flourish. And things took off when I moved here. So I don't know if it's the surroundings or just the time and space or time of your life, but that's when things really took off. Well, at what point? Did you get into painting the style that you do paint? Because you're very obviously inspired by landscape and nature and, and the outdoors. So was that always what you were painting? Or did Kenora bring that phase mm. into you? Or Yeah, were you painting little bits of stubble when you were living on the bald prairie? You know, just yeah, like stubble sure. everywhere. Yeah. Maybe one tiny tree off in the distance. Exactly. That was every single painting. So stubble and great. one tree. Yeah. You could paint a snowstorm and there just you wouldn't have to do anything. Uh-huh. You know what? I considered that. Lately, um, driving to Winnipeg in a snowstorm, you get all these crazy ideas. And one of them was a white painting with just a few brown dots for the trees in the distance. But yeah, you definitely could do that. Be almost like that artist who did the roller across um, Mm -hmm. the one, the canvas. You know who I'm talking? The blue one? I don't know. It's just like one roller. Whoever that was was really onto something. (laughs) You could could, definitely do that with the prairies. You could also paint the uh, winter driving through the prairies, how it looks like uh, warp speed or something. Mm -hmm. These are great painting ideas. But would you want to put that on your wall? I don't know. Like for me, I always paint something that I would want to look at every day and wake up looking at. 
Well, on it's my like wall. a Windows. Uh, it's like a Windows ninety five screensaver with the the yeah, lights, the storm, the storm, or the, uh, oh, yeah. the the stars, or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um. Hey, that was a hit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Whoever made that is rich. Now we yeah. know you. You did come here to receive advice on your painting from two <laughs> random yes, guys. Yes. Yes. Keep going. This yeah. is gold. Yeah. You're writing this down, right? Yeah. That's right. I'm yeah. just gonna take another sip of my beer okay. while you two talk it's it all, over. If the beer is part of your process, that's. <laughs> so when did back to my question? When did nature become your main focus and as a painter? Uh, definitely when I moved here. It's always been nature. Um, and different, like I've traveled around quite a bit too. Um, and so it's always been nature of some sort, but I really um, dove into it here because it's part of our daily life. So every day, walking the dogs, being outside, it just, it, it becomes a part of you. So you naturally paint what is going on around you. So if you're in a forest, you're painting forests, it's just something that um, seeps into you and into your work. And when did you start to consider yourself an artist? Like, when did you really... Oh, that's that's an interesting question. Take that leap. Yeah, yeah. Um, I probably about 10 years ago. Um, so before then, I'd always been the person who painted, but I had a day job and would just paint on the side. So if someone wanted paintings or whatever, it was just something I did. Um, and if I wasn't painting, I was creating something, drawing, cakes, whatever. Um, and then I started painting a little bit more about 10 years ago, just more more subject, more paintings, and um, got into a gallery. So at that point, um, I said, okay, let's see what happens. So I started selling paintings, and um, the gallery was doing pretty good. So I uh, got into another gallery and then another one, and it just kind of took off from there. And, and at one point, I was um, at my day job, and I said, oh, I kind of wonder what's happening on my easel. I'm kind of thinking about what I'm working at. And at that point, I thought, okay, I have to make a decision because I can't be somewhere and think about something else. I have to be absolutely present in what I'm doing. So I quit my day job that day, and luckily things turned... Luckily, I didn't make too much money at my day job, and luckily things turned out that things kept selling. So that's just kind of... That was about 10 years ago, and that kind of kick-started the whole, you know, as a full-time job artist thing. You were able to generate as much income pretty soon off the hop as you were at your day job? Yeah. Um, it didn't take long, and that kind of happened. And there's some years that are better, some years that are worse, but you can kind of um, level it all out, and it's all good. And right. at the same time, there's you're doing what you want and at your own pace and your own schedule. So there's little stress, and um, yeah. I mean, there's stress when you, you can't figure out a painting, but... Um, as far as a lifestyle, it's pretty easygoing, so I don't have to spend a lot of money on Xanax or something like that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't worry. We you believe a... you that you're just kidding. <laughs> and if you get a prescription for it in Canada, like yeah. you, you don't have to pay for it, usually. <laughs> oh, is that right? I, I have no idea. Um, or I guess you probably don't have a drug plan. I Never don't. Mind, right? No, so I'm, I'm completely... It is kind of scary sometimes because you're completely dependent on other people buying 
paintings. Right. So if that doesn't happen, you can put out great paintings, but if nobody buys them, then you're kind of broke for a while, and you kind of have to go into the red, and then all of a sudden people do buy paintings. You're in the black, and it goes up and down. But for the most part, um, it's very rewarding to do something that you love as your job. Absolutely. Okay. So when you're doing your paintings, how much are you thinking about what people will like, and what you need to do for your own taste?、Mm, good question. What they like versus what you like, right? right? Or just for、mm-hmm. yeah, expression of you know. I,、yeah. I'm not sure if I'm guessing that the whole point isn't just to try to make money with it. There's also something、oh, inside of you、sure. you want to express or、yep. explore or something. Yeah, for sure. So everything I do comes from what I feel. Like I want to paint, so I have this huge connection to water. So water seeps into a lot of what I do, no pun intended. And、um, from there, I, I just produce whatever. If I have an idea,、um, I produce it and see what happens. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't.、Um, and then from getting that idea to making it to putting it out there.、Um, People might say, "Well, I really like that. I want that for custom painting, but in a certain size or whatever." So it becomes:、um, if I am doing a custom piece for someone, if I am painting for someone, it's usually my idea to begin with. So it's not、um, their idea and me doing it, right? It's all coming from my experiences and my memories and my favorite parts of the lake, favorite times of summer, all of that. Right. Okay. So it's not like you're just their hands on the can,、right. on the, the paintbrush. Yeah. Okay. So you don't really think too much about what's selling. I want to do more of that. It's more、mm-hmm. just it happens to work out that the things that you want to paint are things that people want to buy. Yeah. And you get an idea, and、uh, let's say for this campfire idea that I've been doing lately. You start with one, and you get a little obsessive about it. So you you go, well, maybe I can do this with it or this with it. So yeah, it does look like you're putting out more and more, but each one is different. It's a next step. So it's an evolution, and most artists are that way. They'll kind of get obsessed with something and do a lot of them、um, to kind of get to the maximum point of that idea. So you would make an attempt at painting fire,、mm-hmm. and then you would think like, "What if I tried it this way?" Or yeah, there's something、exactly. that's not completely satisfying about how I did it. Yeah,、mm-hmm. yeah. You you think, okay, well, wait a minute. What would it look like in this setting or this? And what if I get closer? What if I really delve into what is fire and what is the connection between us and fire?、Um, Why are we so drawn to it? Where does it happen that we all gather around the fire?、Um, so there's so many avenues that you can explore. And once you run out of, you know, you get distracted by something else, you you just stop and you just do something else. So it it it's a very natural, organic process to to continue with that idea in different ways. Yeah, that makes sense. And it it seems like some of the most satisfied people are people who are when they're. Maybe starting to get bored with something, they go deeper. What if I learn more about this thing?、Mm-hmm. And、yeah. what, what do you feel like you've discovered about fire and your obsession with it? What well, do you think is like so magical、mm-hmm. about it? It's since humans, well, I guess not since humans, since they discovered fire, people have always 
been drawn to watching fire. For me, I love watching fire. It's so relaxing. There was um, a Korean study done recently um, how watching a flame for 10 minutes actually helps your heart and helps you reduce stress. And there's something to that for sure because in the summer, we are always having fires. Like we're just at the end of the day, we sit around a fire, we talk, we don't talk, we just look. And there's something really um, magical about watching a fire and all the the colors. Like recently, I've just been thinking about the purples and the blues that you see in the fire and the greens and just the different way it moves or the embers. There's just the more you look into it, there's more to it. I agree. And I, I live in a a cabin that's heated with wood. So I actually oh, nice. spend a fair amount of my day staring at fire and thinking about mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah. every time I make a fire, I'm thinking about like, what are the principles here? That's led me to learn a little bit about the chemistry and physics yeah. of fire as well. And it just, just makes fire building every day more interesting the more I know about how it works. And look how relaxed you are. I'm very relaxed. Yeah. It's all the fire. So is <laughs> yeah. your favorite thing to paint then kind of always evolving because if right now your focus is fire then was it like birch trees previously yeah for sure for sure yeah I mean it just it it's like um it's like when you're a little kid and you see a butterfly and you follow it with your eyes and then you see a dragonfly it's the same thing with an artist you're easily distracted by things and you have to kind of follow your nose and say well what about that or what about this and so yeah, it's always evolving and revisited in different ways. And it's, it's, it's so magical living here because there's, you never run out of ideas. There's different islands. There's different beaches. Um, so there's always something to paint for sure. I never run out of ideas. Like I honestly think I'm going to die before I can paint all the ideas I have now. Like I don't think I'll have enough time. It's like my great-grandma said when someone asked if she was bored with life. She said, oh, there's so many patterns left and she was referring to really? sewing. She's like, oh, there's like cross-stitching or whatever. Yeah. There's so many patterns left. No pun intended with the sewing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recently did a little challenge with a friend who's an artist where we drew a picture every day and texted a picture of it, like a photo of oh, our okay. drawing yeah. to each other. It's just like 30-day drawing challenge kind of oh, thing. that's cool. And I started to see the world differently. I started to oh. notice the shapes of things. Like, for example, you know, skiing through the, through the woods, I would notice that the, the way that the pine or other evergreen trees you kind of draw it when you're a kid, you kind of draw it as like these forward, these upward, this triangle triangle that goes upwards, right? All these triangle or these, it's like a a series of arrows stacked on top of one another. Even this paper maker beer has the, the very simple. simple. So it's a extremely stylized pine tree of three arrows stacked on top of each other. Idea Mm -hmm. of a pine tree. Right. And you can tell, yeah. yeah, So you can tell uh, that's, that's what it is. But oftentimes, the branches actually go the other way on, That's a, right. yeah. on a coniferous yeah. tree. The more you draw or paint, the more you notice things. Go, it's like a, a yeah. comedian goes through life having to think of how everything's ridiculous. <laughs> and then you, just the fact that that's your job, you're noticing yeah. how dumb everything is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you moved here and you were uh, a very recent mother when you moved here then well yes, few yeah years. few years yeah the kids were um they just started jk so he was four and my daughter was two 
ish to almost three. So, mm hmm. And what was it like being new to town with new kids? And well, I had to get used to a lot of things. Um, the last names, the, just different things about living here specifically. And also the small town I kind of was familiar with, with, you know, living in Niverville for a short time. Um, but as far as the streets and getting to know where everything is, that took a while for sure. Thankfully, it's small. Yeah. But everyone <laughs> was really friendly and I got to know people right away. And what, uh, what do you think it is about Kenora that really inspired and continues to inspire your art most of all? So every summer we go further and further down the lake and explore new islands, new beaches. Um, and I take lots of pictures and paint on location. Like um, my husband, Bill, will drop me off on an island, you know, come back a couple hours later and, you know, we'll move on to a different one. Um, so that and then also the surrounding lakes are really cool, too. So spending time like with friends at different places, just sitting on a dock, watching the water. It's very similar to watching a fire. If you look at the ripples, they're moving very similar to that. So just, you know, just being here, just being here every day and seeing the lake, seeing the sparkle on the lake. Um, that's just part of your daily thing. So it's naturally going to be what you paint. If I lived in a different area, I would probably paint that area. So it's just, um, for me, it's just inspiring every day. Whether I paint that subject or not, it's just part of who you are, which becomes what you paint. Yeah, that's interesting, the similarity between water and fire mm -hmm. in that way. I remember staying with my brother in Vancouver. I would visit there a lot because he was living there as somewhere to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would always find myself walking down to the ocean. I was like, well, mm -hmm. uh, why am I doing this? I never even thought about walking somewhere else. Just, you just, you got to walk to where the waves are coming in. And the same thing if you're in a a place where there's a wood a wood stove you're just going to stare at the fire mm -hmm. and uh, like if you don't have a tv you got to point your furniture at something and it's going right. to be <laughs> it's going to be gonna, that fire you either need a fire an or ocean a or a tv uh, or yeah. a yeah, body of water or body a tv water. yeah uh, otherwise where do you look so uh, your furniture is pointed towards the fire is pointed towards yeah. the fire cool. yeah now, are you allowed to arrange the furniture how you wish in your cabin i am are you allowed to in your home no no. I hope to one day be allowed in my home. Yeah, that would yeah. be great. You'll have to work on your relationship yes, a little bit more. Yes, yes, I will. But we'll yeah. get there. Now, your painting process, tell us about that. Because um, from our relationship, I've already talked about this with you just mm -hmm. in life, but it's a cool process. So tell me about the sort of going out and scouting and then pre-painting and then painting again. Right. So, well, that happens in the summer. It doesn't happen in the winter. But in the summer, um, I'll go to a different um, place on Lake of the Woods, a new place, and set up my um, easel, like a travel easel. So I'll do a plain air painting, maybe two or three hours. It's called a sketch because it's 11 by 14 um, miniature kind of an, to get the idea, to get the emotion. So you see this three-dimensional space that... Um, uh, has moving things, moving clouds, moving water, and you try to capture it in a two-dimensional um, painting that isn't moving. So doing that does something for your creative process. It it helps you to understand what you're painting and build that relationship with it. So taking that 
one sketch and doing a larger painting is great. That's what I do. But it also helps with maybe 100 paintings because you're you're trying to um, take a concept and put it into a painting. So that might help with the one painting or it, it could help with the next one where you're trying to paint water and you think back, what, how did I do that when I was on that island? So that helps throughout the winter is looking at these sketches. I can almost smell where I was and see it and feel the wind blowing. Um, and that helps throughout the whole winter for sure. And then on top of that, I take pictures. So I, I try to do a little bit from working on site, a little bit from photography, a little bit from memory, and of course, imagination. So it's not all one thing, it's just a combination of things. And the biggest thing is just being there and capturing that area. So uh, Matt was saying that you have struggle with vision in one eye, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So do you have stereoscopic vision? Do you have depth perception? Can you see through both eyes? Uh, No, so I can only see through my right eye. Uh, my left eye is blind in the center. I can tell if something's happening peripher- peripherally, um, but I can't actually see out of that eye. So uh, for me, I have zero depth perception. Okay, that answers um, the question. And I didn't always have that. I That happened when I was 16. So um, getting used to it was really, really tough for about a year. Uh, really struggled with um, walking downstairs, driving at night, um, just, you know, getting used to it. And I had a motorcycle at the time. It was really, really tough. Um, But then I did get used to it. I rely on shadows, shapes, light to tell me how far something is. Right. And that's what you have to do in your painting as well is translate three dimensions to two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually, I don't see three dimensions. I see two. But there's... um, there's always light in shadow. So at night, I can't tell. Like if it's pitch black, I can't really tell how far something is. But in the daytime, that's maybe that's why I, I'm drawn towards light. Like um, the, the different shadows and sparkle on the water and different things that are happening because of light, because I need the light. If I don't have it, then I can't determine how far something is. I've said that her vision impairment is her superpower, really, as an artist, (laughs) because it's automatically turning a three-dimensional to a two-dimensional space due to her lack of depth perception. So she can, in a sense, see the painting easier than someone with. Um, I don't know if that's always the case, though, because you still have to um, put it into a certain size and shape, and you have to decide what's... uh, the most important thing in this space because there's still a lot of factors when you're on an island you you do that turnaround and you look around and you you love it all and you want to put it all in you have to make some decisions and say well, what am I looking at what's the most important thing yeah you thing? still need to compose yeah, the frame yeah you still need to compose it and come up with design and everything I definitely think you still also have skills yeah okay <laughs> oh no cool. it's super easy to paint if you just have one eye function yeah just wear an eye patch yeah, yeah. So, anyone can do it All these artists out there are going to start wearing eye patches just to help their game. (laughs) I mean, I think people must do that like as photographers and I do it Mm -hmm. as a video or a filmmaker is the old like look through one eye to basically. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Because you're like compressing the space basically because you're looking through one lens through a camera. Right. Because it's a two-dimensional thing as well. Unless you're making a 3D movie, of course. Mm -hmm. I haven't done that yet. Really? You so should you're get that, on that far mat. behind the times? I'm that far behind. <laughs> I've heard from you before that you fall in love with what you see, mm-hmm. basically. And then when that happens, you try and capture 
what you've fallen in love with in the painting to sort of share that experience or that yeah. love for the landscape or whatever. And um, yeah, so what is what does that feel like for you? Well, it's again going back to how you are as a kid, right? You naturally follow what you love or are interested in. So for me, I'm. It's about softening your gaze so that you can actually and keeping an open mind about things. And when you do that, you pick up on things that you normally wouldn't see. And yeah, you when you see something you love, you fall in love with it, and you um, you want to express it. So I think. Part of um, my takeoff as an artist, like painting so much when I moved here, is I really fell in love with the landscape. And I was picking up tools. How can I express this? Do I draw it? Do I write? Do I do, you know, because I had gone through so many different creative avenues. And for me, painting was the thing. So I just became kind of single tracked on on painting. And that's that's how I've done it ever since is just paint what I really, really believe in, what I really love. And from there, I'm hoping that it goes into someone's house and they go, oh, yeah, that that rings a bell for me. I love sitting around the fire. I love going to Lake of the Woods in the summer, watching the sparkle. And hopefully that can, you know, enhance their space, too. And that's the secondary point. The first thing is I'm painting what I love for sure. When did you actually start painting? I know you said you considered yourself a professional artist as of 10 years ago, but when did you start painting and how did you learn to be the painter you are now? Um, I was 14 when my grandmother taught me how to paint with oils. So I had, you know, the basic oil paint set and my bedroom and I would just start painting things mostly from my imagination and it started from there. Um... And then I just I just kept going with it, and I switched to acrylics about eight years ago. But yeah, I've just been painting oils ever since. So you're home with ki- the kids, yeah. I guess to yeah. some degree. Yeah, I, I mean they're teenagers now, right. so I'm home, but I don't know where they are. Right. <laughs> okay. So uh, there's this book. I don't know. Maybe you've read it. It's called something like A Room of Her Own or something. It's by some famous writer. I, I can't remember who it is, but she was talking about this concept of if you're going to be a successful writer you'll need to have a space of your own yes. where you won't be interrupted and I think she makes the argument that many women don't have that that's right because they don't get to leave the home to go to the studio every day yeah and that is a huge challenge for sure starting out I was in the basement we had an unfinished basement and I just took up that space I took the, took up the whole space until I ran out of room and then we converted the garage to a studio. So that's where I am now. And this year we're going to be building a studio, a separate studio building. Um, so it's uh, it's an evolution of, but you need to find that space. And I, I want to encourage any artist out there, anything, like a broom closet, um, a spare bedroom, whatever you can do. And just go there without your phone, without any distractions and think. And then soon you'll come up with an idea and you'll go, oh, that might work, but you need that space. You definitely need to find some space of a, your own. A dedicated space. Yeah, dedicated. Yeah, you need to get alone with yourself. And you can't, you know, you, you being an artist is, an, is a solitude thing. It's something that you need to work out for yourself. So getting a room distraction-free is number one, even if it's for half an hour a day, just to go there and think. And eventually... Um, 
you'll start creating things if if that's what you want to do. Is there kind of a, a warm-up time that that you need before the ideas start to flow? Like I could just imagine <laughs> someone sitting there in their broom closet being like, yeah. hey, what 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 should I do here? Or how, yeah. when are the ideas going to start flowing yet? I don't know. For me, it's like maybe 15, 20 minutes of thinking, right? But I mean, it, it happens very differently. So when I started, I needed the perfect conditions. I needed caffeine. I needed a brilliant idea, super inspiration, a giant canvas, all my paint to be totally alone, to have the right music, everything perfect to create a painting. But now all I need to do is go in the studio, squeeze out my paint, load up a brush, and within a few minutes, things start happening and you get in the zone. So I think the more you create, the more easy it is to create because you're already naturally inclined to do that every day. Yeah, and you trust that something will happen if you actually get your hand moving kind of thing. Writers will often say, like, Mm -hmm. just write, don't stop. Yeah. You, it doesn't yeah. matter if it if it is meaningless. Just write mm-hmm. words, mm-hmm. and some you're, there's something that happens where your brain's like, "Oh, okay, uh, writing well, now. I guess I should write something meaningful." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm writing now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then the other thing that that makes me think of is uh, this quote is being attributed to a few different people, but the uh, what is it? You know, I don't write until I'm inspired. It just so happens that inspiration hits every day at 9 a.m. At 9 a.m., yeah. <laughs> I've heard that one, too. Yeah, that's pretty much like me. I'm not really a 9 a.m. person, but by 10 a.m. or 9.30 or something like that. You know, as when the kids were little, I would start earlier because I was kind of on their clock. Now they sleep in, I sleep in, the dog sleeps in. Wow. Um, and then I work it a little bit later, maybe till eight o'clock at night or something. So there's, so, you know, you can lose track of time and become used to your own rhythm and whatever that is, if it means nine till three, if it may means 10 till 7 PM, whatever you need to do that it'll, you'll get it done. And every hour isn't the same too, right? Because sometimes you can get so much done in one hour and nothing done the next hour. So they're not all equal, right? So there can be four hours one day that you get so much done and then eight hours the next day you don't get anything done. So you just have to kind of keep doing it every day. And just, um, for me, it's just natural. I just go into the studio and paint. It's just part of my day. The kids are used to me being in there when they need something and yeah. And, and what happens then if well, they need something and you're in there? Is there other rules? There, no, I'm pretty relaxed about it. My son is a musician, so he'll, so now it's interesting. He'll come in there and write songs and sit in there and play songs and, and he, it's become his creative space too. And my daughter will go to the computer. She's an amazing drawer. She draws on the computer somehow, but it's it's and it's all people and it's incredible. So she's in there when he's not, and it becomes a place. And the dogs are always in there, so it becomes kind of a meeting place in our our home, uh, where we all kind of go and create. And uh, and then Bill comes in and he gets his tools and build something or you know whatever he's the shipping department so he'll build boxes and it's yeah it's a real family thing for sure the but creative when i have space it's the creative space but when i need to be completely in the zone like when i'm painting water or something i have noise canceling headphones so they can be in there playing music doing whatever and i can't even hear them it yeah. seems like there'd be different um 
there would be really different levels of concentration that are yeah. needed for different things. Like one artist that I know was saying like, oh, I guess I should go to the studio and work on my paintings. And I said, oh, you, you don't, you're not excited to be an artist? Like, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people would fantasize about that being a great job. Yeah. She said, well, you know, you know, day five of painting tiny hairs on the camera, like tiny little hairs of, of someone's okay. head. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is not, this, I'm not jumping for joy for that. It's just yeah. like, oh, I guess I'll put on a podcast and, and do this boring task. Yeah. Do you relate to that at all? Yeah, for sure. With priming canvases, painting sides, that's kind of like mundane part of the job for sure is and varnishing. Like th- these are all things that you have to do in order to paint. For me, the best part of a painting is starting because you just crank the music up, you're standing, you've got a blank canvas, it could be anything. And it could be the greatest painting that you've ever done. Um, So you feel powerful. And then you get, there's always a point in every painting, kind of three quarters way through, or maybe halfway through that you're, well, I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm not sure how to fix this. And then you really you know, you think about it and you're trying to figure it out and then you get over that and then there's that other kind of high, right? So the beginning is really a rush and then that getting over that is a rush and then finishing it is. So for me, no, I'm, I, I'm in love with the whole process. I think it's an incredible thing. But yeah, there's always you have to prime canvases and put the, put the canvas on the wood and all that stuff. That arc that you described is, I think, going to be familiar to almost anyone who does difficult creative work or has a starts a business or goes to med school there's like very exciting to tell your grandma you're going to med school yeah very hard to make it through that trough of oh this is hard yeah there's challenges here Mm -hmm. and exciting to finally become a doctor yeah for sure yeah it's it's the human cycle right that's kind of like having kids too right because you you have very a baby fun to make you, them in the first place. You know, that imagine. is definitely, that's the funnest part. And then you have this baby and you think, oh, this the world is, you know, there's so many possibilities. I have so many dreams and hopes for this kid. And then you get to the point where there's difficult steps along the way. And then, you know, you get to a point where you're you're kind of ready to put them out in the world. And you think, yeah, we did a good job. So it's kind of the same process, except way longer. I don't right. think, and maybe there's paintings out there that take 18 years, but... Not in my studio. <laughs> the Sistine Chapel. How yeah. long was that one? Not oh. 18 years, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It was a long time. Uh, Mona Lisa was nine years. Yeah, but was he working on that every day? No, no. He was working on other <laughs> like, stuff. Come on. He just carried it around so he could say that. Just nine do a years. little bit each year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on each show, we, we ask questions that are inspired by different beers that the oh. Lake the Woods Brewing Company has. And they're just questions about yourself and how you feel about different things. Um, So we'll ask you a few of these. We've got a list of questions based on the different beers. Uh, Should I just choose at random here? Let's see. This is a good one for you. So I'm going to ask you our Boreal question. Uh, So Boreal, Boreal Forest, have you ever been lost in the woods? Like legitimately lost legitimately that I don't lost. know where I am. Or yeah. metaphorically. I think that happens every time I go to Vernon Nature Trails. <laughs> I take a different trail and I go, what? Where did I go? How did I get here? How do I get back? But it's kind of fun. Yeah. I like getting lost for sure. Do you wake up often and think, why am I doing this art? What? <laughs> oh, wow. 
Were you recording me a week ago? Because that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> what have I done, right? I think every artist, to be completely honest, goes through that at least once a year, you know, because it's not stable. It's not financially secure. You don't have those, you know, things that, especially when you're raising a family, you don't have those things around you. Um, it goes up and down. And sometimes you go, what am, what am I doing? I can't do this. You know, I can't get this painting done. I mean, that happens a lot. But overall, yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely what I should be doing for sure. Because I've had so many different jobs that have lasted a year, half a year, and I've quit them. But this seems to last a really long time and I'm not tired of it. I'm completely obsessed with it. I want to keep going and see what can happen, see what I can be. Even this far in, do you still feel like you have to deal with people undervaluing your art? Like, uh, could I have that for 500 bucks? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. well, actually, that's a $6,000 painting. Yeah. I don't really get those questions too much because I'm not in the selling part of the job. I send, so I have seven galleries that I send my work to and they sell it for me. So I'm not really in the money part of it. Um, but there's an interesting story. Um, I was just reading about Pablo Picasso. He was um, at a coffee shop when he was 60, and he was doodling on a napkin. And it was nothing fancy. He was just drinking his coffee and doodling. And he, at the end of his coffee, he took the napkin, crumpled it up, put it in his pocket, and started walking out. And a lady had been watching him the whole time and said, can I buy that from you? Like, she obviously knew who he was. And he said, sure, $20,000. <laughs> And she said, well, it only took you five minutes. And he said, no, this painting took, this drawing took me 60 years. And that's true. Everything you've done in your whole life leads up to what you're doing right now. And if it takes you a week, as opposed to back in the day, taking you six months, um, there's no way you could have done what you're doing now back then, right? Okay, this one is based off of Sasquatch beer which is a black oh. lager. Uh, is there anything that has eluded you your whole life, like the Sasquatch? You know, some kind of unfinished business or some kind of thing that you wish you could find. Yeah, I don't Something know. Something you know is out there, but you've never been able to capture. Oh, maybe like the fire. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, thanks for answering for me, because that is a tough question. But yeah, fire, I had been thinking about for about five years and playing with the idea until, and it's not like I, I was drawing it and mapping it out and making a plan. I had just been rolling it around in my head for that amount of time. And then one day I said, oh, wait, I can apply this, what I just did here, to this. And I think I figured it out. So yeah, you just kind of, maybe there's another subject out there that, I'm going to be delving into soon. I just haven't figured it out. It reminds me a little bit of Nikola Tesla, who was like a wizard with electricity, but he still said near the end of his life, I still don't really know what electricity is. Interesting. Just like, the, all the study just led to more questions, yes. I imagine. Okay, that is exactly what art is. So the more you paint, the more you realize there's so much to learn. There's so much I can do. And honestly, I wish I could, I wish what I was doing right now, I wish I had started when I was 20 and had more time because I, there's just so much more I want to learn and explore. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. This one's based on happy camper, which is uh, their honey brown ale. 
Um, so happy. What would you say so far as the actual best day of your entire life so far, your happiest day of your life? <laughs> don't, don't put me on the spot with my husband and my kids because <laughs> oh, I know they, I'm going to get it wrong with them. Yeah, they don't know how they, to listen to podcasts, Other than them. You're, no. People that are don't younger know. don't know about technology. No. Not at all. Yeah. Well, don't let um, them influence you. Okay. I'm not going to even think about people. How about that? I'll okay, just think yeah, about, that's fair. Um, so, well, on the other hand, I think some of my happiest memories are sitting on a dock with my friends, having a beer, maybe a sultana. and um, Very recent just, memory then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just um, watching the sparkle on the lake at about 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Um just my happiest moments just happen randomly without planning, completely spontaneous. And it usually involves being outside, being on the lake or something like that. That's interesting how that is. It seems like an honest answer because a lot of people would think, um, well, they try to plan the happiest moments in their life. Oh, like, yeah. for example, my brother, when he came back from his honeymoon, I was like, how was the honeymoon? He's like, uh, it was okay. You know, because oh, no. like they just... <laughs> Like you can't just expect you snap your fingers and everything is it's gonna be amazing. Like, yeah. well, they tried to go camping and the weather mm-hmm. wasn't that great, and they spent a night in Portage La Prairie, <laughs> home of the world's largest Coke can. That sounds so amazing. Like, yeah, so you know they enjoyed each other and everything, but yeah. they probably had more time, more more of a fun time sitting on a dock just some yeah. random afternoon. Yeah, yeah, you some really spontaneous can't plan happy it. happy moment. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Big timber. Uh, well, lumberjacks always looking for the really big tree. Is there any big trees you've acquired in your life that made a really big difference? Like you went after it and you chopped it down and you achieved a big goal? <laughs> you mean metaphorically or actually chopping down a if, tree? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was speaking metaphorically. Okay. However, yeah, I assume that. Yeah. Um, I guess. Becoming a professional artist was definitely my big tree. And not only that, but because you can make the decision to do that for your job, but to actually continue on with it. So it's great to jump into something. It's very exciting. But to continue on it with day to day uh, for 10 years, it's, it's definitely my big tree. Yeah. And that's something that a lot, like I said before, a lot of people fantasize about being mm-hmm. able to be a professional yeah. artist or... Um, or you know, whatever their, their musician, dream is, but musician or yeah. table uh, maker, whatever. But it's tough. Yeah, for sure. Like if you have an idea, that's easy for everyone to get an idea, but to follow through and to do it every day and to go with the ups and downs and the miserable parts of it, that's the real trick. Yeah, it's like this uh, thing. I often am more of an ideas person and less of an mm-hmm. execution person. And yeah. people will often be like, oh, don't tell anyone about that idea. That's a great idea. I'm like, don't, don't worry. You know, chances are no one else <laughs> is going to execute on this because execution is the, is really the, the thing is. that makes the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I read a book by Elizabeth Gilbert um, on writing, and she described ideas as beings, the same as human beings, that they float around and they land on someone. 
And if that someone doesn't act on it, it will leave that person and go to another person. And I've I've experienced that myself. Um, and she experienced it with an, an idea for a book. It was quite specific with um, a, a very specific uh, storyline, a, a character, everything. She let the idea pass and moved on to something else. Someone in South America wrote that book. So, I mean, that happens a lot, right? I had a very similar experience. I was going around telling people about this book concept that I had. Mm -hmm. And um, the the title was How to Not Give a Fuck. <gasps> oh, I'm reading that book right now. I was telling all <laughs> kinds of people. And people were like, oh, it's stupid. Like, people, you should yeah. try to get people to care about things. Because apathy yeah. is like, that's the enemy. And I was like, no, no, it's like, uh, it's it's not quite what you're thinking. It's like, you want to care about the right things. You know, you don't want to care about the stupid stuff that just gets yes, you down. that's right. Uh, and yeah, this this book came out. It's it was a the subtle art of not giving, giving a fuck. And it's you, everywhere. <laughs> I've listened to that and read the book many times because it was like, this is way better than what I would have oh. done. But yeah, I've read the book, of course, because that's the book that I wanted to read. Yeah. It was like, oh, maybe I'll write yeah. this. And, yeah. and I didn't. And the guy, Mark Manson, did mm -hmm. an awesome job on that exact yeah. book. It's not a new idea, but it's something that's retransformed into a way that we can understand it in our generation, right? Yeah. And, and the next generation. So it's a great book. Good idea. Hey, thanks. Too bad it's thanks. not your too book. <laughs> and too bad ideas don't count for anything. Yeah, and execution right. matters. That's true. Hey, snooze you lose. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so our last beer question, I guess, <clears throat> before we run out of time, uh, I, there's some similar things here. So I won't ask you paper maker, even though we are drinking paper maker mm, today good. and it's very good. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you the other flagship beer. One of the other ones, firehouse, which oh. is a Northern English style, nut brown ale. I like that one. You like that mm -hmm. one. So then yeah. this is a good one. And I, I want to ask it because you, I, many people would agree, I think, are like one of the nicest people I've ever met. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. Please tell me. She's family. very nice. She's very nice. <laughs> At least to me. Oh, that's um, nice. Have you ever burned any bridges, do you think? Oh, along gosh. Your, your long career. Mm. Or your life, I guess. Doesn't need to be career related. Probably not like I'm just trying to think like with jobs yeah I quit I'm out of here that happened a lot like a, so I could definitely not work at that travel agency or that office or you know whatever I was doing so you did um, a dramatic quit I when I was younger I did um, well what was it like to have former Melissa quit at your company <laughs> that would be a drama every day. If if I had a Melissa quitting at my company, um, I probably would say, good riddance, go find your own thing. That's fine. You're not meant to work here, right? Um, and that's totally true for me. I was not meant to be all of those things that I, and I tried so many jobs and it just, it was always something, the painting kind of nagged me into, you know, pay attention to me, pay attention to me until finally I said, okay, okay, I'll try it. And here I am. I don't know if I burned any bridges. I, I burn paintings count. all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah, really? I do. Yeah. Even in the beginning, I would burn a lot more paintings than I do now. But even now I have the 
maybe twice a year I have the bonfire of burning paintings that are not worthy to go out in the world. And that's totally natural. You shouldn't put everything you create out there. You shouldn't keep everything that you create. You should burn it. You should destroy things. And it, by burning it, it kind of releases an energy that can go into the next painting or the next painting. And finally, maybe about six paintings later, you might get it. So the first five were just part of that painting, but they needed to be destroyed. So... Have you ever tried like a recursive thing where you're painting the fire from the painting that you <laughs> We're getting deep here. I love it. That's meta. I'll try that. <laughs> That's my final piece of painting advice for you. Thank yeah, you. it started Thank with you. painting advice and it ended with yeah. it. So yeah. much great advice from non-painters. Yes. yes. I love it. Well, yeah. thanks for joining us on the show. No, thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Is there anywhere that you'd like people to go to check out your work? Um, to my website, melissageanart.com. And from there, um, depending on which city they're in, I'm in uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, Quebec City, Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa. And right here in Kenora at Image One Designs. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Hey, that's another episode done. Another episode in the can. We polished off our papermaker, Czech style Pilsner, and it feels so good. If you haven't listened to it already, there is another episode, episode one. Check it out. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with another one next month. You know what we need is um, a way to end the show. Like, uh, you know that radio show where he's like, that and now you know the end of the story for the rest of them we need like a tagline for the end and this has been lake time find another way to relax find another way to relax until next time on lake time